Welcome back to Boilers and Beyond. I'm Jordan Jones. It is the first weekend of the year with both Purdue football and Purdue basketball. A big one for Purdue fans as we get into the month of November and the busiest time of year for Purdue sports fans. The football squad returns from its bye week to travel west to take on Nebraska, while basketball takes on a strong Arkansas squad in an exhibition on Saturday afternoon. I'll preview the football game in full detail here per usual. I will answer some of your football questions, and then we'll wrap up today with some talk about Saturday's hoops game. Look, it's the busiest time of year from now until the end of the bucket game, and if Purdue were to make a bowl game, it's going to be busy, busy, busy around here. It's a lot of fun. Let's get into it. Be sure, if you're not already, follow the show on Twitter, at Boilers Beyond. Lots of stuff to talk about there. Uh, again, with this time of year, there is news every single day to talk about and dissect. Come join the conversation there. And be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You're not going to want to miss a thing as we get into one of the most anticipated seasons in Purdue basketball history. If you haven't checked it out yet, the Purdue Basketball Preview Podcast dropped on Monday. I think you will really like that. I've gotten some good feedback so far. I appreciate those of you who have listened. I appreciate those of you that sent questions in. I hope you guys have liked that. Um, Going to be a lot of fun this year. But let's start today by talking about Purdue football. Purdue heads to Nebraska, a 3.30 kick on FS1. The line's moved around a little bit. I think Nebraska's around around a two-point favorite or so, over-under of 40.5. Expected to be a low-scoring game. Expected to be a interesting weather game in Lincoln. I was listening to the Ryan Walters show earlier. Rob Blackman's talking about snow in Lincoln. There's a chance of snow. Temperature is going to be in the high 30s. Sounds like wind could be a factor. It is a classic afternoon for Big Ten football out there. Look, interesting time for Nebraska. It's been well documented. Matt Rule is in year one out there. Took over for Scott Frost after things really could not have gone worse under his guidance given the fanfare of which he arrived. It was pretty remarkable to watch that all unfold. Now, Rule is there, and he's already got the Huskers playing better. Four and three on the year, that comes with the caveat that it's a very, very ugly four and three record so far. They are, just like everyone else in the Big Ten West, winning very ugly. Nebraska is very banged up on offense. Uh, this this is almost unbelievable. So if you look at their depth chart uh, entering fall camp, four of the top five receivers are out, two of the top three running backs are out, and three starting offensive linemen are out. Those offensive linemen all just went down recently. So this is this is an offense that already struggles. It doesn't get a whole lot going. It, I mean, it scores around 20 points a game. It is not a great Nebraska offense by any means. And now with some of these injuries, especially one that, you know, an offense that's as limited as it is, 
this is going to be fascinating to see unfold and fascinating look probably not in the best way probably not in the most fun to watch way but you know nonetheless it's a very run heavy offense and that's something that presents some challenges for Purdue because Nebraska's quarterback Heinrich Harburg is borderline a run first guy a run before throw quarterback he leads the team in rushing and he did not even start the season as the starting quarterback Uh, Nebraska went with Jeff Sims Georgia Tech transfer really struggled Uh, four interceptions and 34 pass attempts they go to Harburg Sims is a bit banged up as well things have been better uh, since Nebraska started, you know, Nebraska started 0-2, 4-1 ever since, only loss came to Michigan. So Nebraska's playing better, but, you know, right now, Harburg's completing 51% of his passes. That is not particularly good. He runs it a lot. Nebraska still uses their running backs a lot, led by Anthony Grant, a guy who's been there for a while, along with a couple of younger guys. This is a team that's going to run, run, run the ball. Uh, they're, you know, they're averaging over 200 yards a game on the ground. They're one of the best ground games in the nation. That comes with the caveat, of course, that they don't throw the ball well at all. They didn't throw the ball well with four of the top five receivers. Now they're going to have two two true freshmen lining up at wide receiver. Question marks on the offensive line. Look, I, I, it's not going to be a, a great day for Nebraska through the air. The defense, however, gives up just 18 points a game. A, a real strong defense they've got here. Nebraska wants to get back to the glory days of the black shirt defense. And whether it can get there or not, we'll see. That's the question long term. But they're off to a really nice start. Tony White came in from Syracuse to run that 3-3-5 defense. That's the same, same, same coordinator that Purdue faced in the game at Syracuse last year for the very little that that's worth, but it is a connection to make. Look, this is a good defense. This is the same style that Purdue faced with Syracuse this year as well. Syracuse still runs that, and it comes down to the same factor here. If Purdue can run the ball against a light box with just six guys in the box, if if Purdue can run the ball against that, then you feel good about it. You feel good about what you can do when they have to suck a seventh guy into the box and then you know deal with just four guys in the secondary to start taking some shots downfield. The problem is Purdue did not run the ball particularly well against Syracuse's 3-3-5 defense. Purdue's got injuries on the offensive line as well. And Nebraska's defense stops the run remarkably well allowing around 70 yards per game on the ground, fourth nationally in run defense. That's going to be a challenge for Purdue. That's going to be one. That may be the matchup that decides this one because while Purdue's pass game has been solid, you know, it's not been that difference-making unit. Nebraska is more vulnerable against the pass, allowing allowing over 200 around 250 yards per game through the air, 251.8. So there are plays to be made through the air. But if Purdue can't establish the run early, you know, you're you're looking at some real questions here. 
Purdue, uh, one thing to note too, Nebraska had the worst special teams in the world under Scott Frost. The massive mistakes are getting better, but the kicking and punting isn't great for Nebraska, nor is it for Purdue. So with the cold weather uh, going to be going to be a factor, some wins, special teams could get really interesting on Saturday. Uh, but going through Purdue's injury report here, uh, Muhammad Musa is not 100% guaranteed to play. It does sound like he is in decent shape, though. Sounds like he could give it a go on Saturday. That's a huge relief. Remember, he got hurt very late in the Ohio State game to the point where I think it was questionable whether he should be out there or not. Nonetheless, it sounds like he is going to be okay to go on Saturday. Uh, That's big for Purdue, getting him at left tackle. All signs point to Tyrone Tracy returning from that groin injury that he picked up before the Iowa game. He'll rejoin Devin Mockaby in the backfield. Something interesting to monitor, how do carries get split? Mockaby has been very good since Tracy kind of faded off. How does that balance work once Tyrone Tracy gets back on the field? Looks like Ben Freehill will assume the reins at kicker again on Saturday after missing some time. Julio Macias really struggled in his absence. Purdue is just three of nine on field goal attempts this year. Freehill was one of three before his injury. Uh, Both his misses coming from 40 plus, but Purdue's got to have consistency here as it looks to make a push late in the season and win four of its last five. You can't leave points on the field. You have to be good on the margins. Kicking is a huge part of that. Abdur Rahman Yassin missed the Ohio State game. He's a bit of a question. Purdue could use him. However, if he can't go, it gives Purdue the opportunity to move around a little bit at wide receiver. Maybe we see some young guys. Maybe we see more Mershon Rice, Jaden Dixon-Veal. Could be interesting to monitor there. And the one I wanted to point out is Hudson Card. All signs are that he's you know healthier than he was against Iowa and Ohio State, and that's good. That's you know that's almost the bare minimum expectation here. But Ryan Walters on his radio show said that Hudson Card looks like himself again. That is a very welcomed sign. Purdue needs that. Uh, again, as Purdue looks to make a run late in the season, it needs Hudson Card to play his best football so far. Three questions about this one as Purdue heads to what should be a hostile crowd in Memorial Stadium. Uh, This is a Nebraska team that has not made a bowl game since 2016. Nebraska is 4-3. A bowl game is so close they can almost taste it. With a win against Purdue, they'll be in a fantastic spot to go bowling. You know it'll be a great crowd. It always is. See how Purdue handles that. But that's not one of the questions. Number one, how much does Purdue's defense sell out to stop the run? You know, Purdue plays this system where it's it's not a 5-1-5, but it's kind of close to it sometimes. I'm very curious to see how much Purdue plays with seven guys in the box, see if Purdue ever really looks at eight men in the box looks. You know, this is a Nebraska offense that is so challenged to throw the ball and so limited on the outside that it could be a matchup that plays fairly well into the hands of Purdue's defense 
with the caveat that Purdue's defense has to show it can contain the quarterback run. If it can do that, Nebraska is limited enough through the air. I don't know how much it can exploit Purdue's corners who are going to be on islands. Markevious Brown, Derek Rogers, Cam Allen. How much can Nebraska exploit them? That's a real question here. I'm, I'm interested to see that. I'm interested to see what Purdue does to line up because you can't let Nebraska beat you on the ground. You just can't. You have to make them try to throw it. Number two, do we notice a big difference in Hudson Card following two weeks of rest? You know, I've talked about Hudson Card a lot here, and I don't want to keep beating a dead horse. He's been solid. He has not been spectacular. He has not necessarily been the quarterback that Purdue needs needs or needed, whether you want to you know use present or past tense here, but that he has to be for Purdue to go bowling and to have a, a you know a better than anticipated season. Purdue needs him to be really good. Whether he can be on Saturday or not, I think that's going to depend how well he feels, how you know how that injury is progressing. That's going to be something huge to monitor. And number three, you know, just in general, does Purdue look like a team that had two weeks to prepare for this game? Coming off a bye week is always an interesting thing to look at in college football. It is something where teams get a week to rest up. It's the only one you get all year. In theory, you get two weeks of extra scouting. You get some time to look at some of your young guys maybe make some personnel changes, put in something new, some new wrinkles schematically. It gives you some opportunities to do different things. And this is a Nebraska team that is so limited that, look, it would be disappointing if Purdue can't win this game. Let's face it. This is a toss-up game. The point spread indicates it. Reality indicates it. You just look at this game and... I don't know who's going to win. I don't feel good about it either way. But Purdue should probably win this game. If Purdue can come out focused, dialed in after a week of rest, look, it's not been the start Purdue wanted. There's no doubt about it. They're, you know, the, the players themselves were talking about being the defending Big Ten West champions coming into the season, as they rightfully should have, but this team is very far from that. Purdue's two and five. It has set five games in front of it. If it can come out locked in, look, this is a game Purdue probably should win with how banged up Nebraska is. I think this is one of those programs that you need to be better than in the 18-team Big Ten. And that's coming next fall. It's easier said than done to be better than Nebraska. Ever since Nebraska joined the league, most of the Big Ten has benefited from it being horrible. It's not always guaranteed to be like that. There is a somewhat high ceiling there. So this is a matchup you know, that Purdue, Purdue would like to keep getting the best of as we move forward. Something to monitor here. you know, Purdue's playing a lot of true freshmen. I can't remember the last time Purdue has played this many true freshmen. Maybe it did back in 2019, but that's a maybe. Purdue may play a lot here. 
You know, George Burhen starting to get some praise from the coaching staff with Max Claire out. Could we see Burhen kind of slide into that number two tight end role behind Max, or excuse me, behind Garrett Miller with Max Claire done for the year? You have guys, Derek Rogers, going to play another big role at corner. You have Dylan Fienemann, obviously at safety. Jerron Tibbs getting on the field at wide receiver some. Will Hell at outside linebacker. Ryan Walters is taking a very interesting pro- approach to redshirting. He is not at all worried about burning redshirt years. And in his words from his radio show, Purdue's program is not in the spot where they can be super worried about redshirting guys. I think that's probably the right approach to take, especially in the transfer portal era. It's interesting to hear him say that, though. Uh, I'm fascinated to see how many guys get out there. And, you know, for being honest here, if things don't go well for Purdue and Purdue's two and seven going into the backstretch, it gets real interesting to see how many guys see the field. As I said, this is a game Purdue needs to win. Coming off a bye against a very limited offense, I think Purdue does get it done. I will go 24 21. My confidence is remarkably low here. I don't feel great about it either way. But this is going to be a slugfest. This is not going to be a shootout. Purdue just needs to to really look better on offense than it has. And this is a decent opportunity to do so. It's a good defense you're facing, yes, but it's not great. And it's vulnerable through the air. You get a healthier Hudson card back. I think Purdue can get something done here, get out of Nebraska with a win. And, you know, really, it it would be a good, good win for Purdue if it can get it. I wanted to answer some questions here about football before I close with a few thoughts about basketball. Uh, So the first question I got, what are your thoughts of the air raid in the Big Ten so far with Wisconsin and Purdue? Any surprises on what you've seen so far? Not really on surprises. You know, Wisconsin's doing what I thought it would do, and it's running, you know, something not all that dissimilar from what it has traditionally run. It's just doing it out of the shotgun. Uh, this is not this is not close to, you know, the traditional air raid of Mike Leach and Hal Mummy. I mean, it, Purdue's not doing that either. But, you know, I don't think I don't think the air raid is really being run all that much. Like it, yes, it is because Graham Harrell and Phil Longo are air raid guys, but it's not. Like that's not that's not what this these offenses are. Um, it's been fine. You know, Wisconsin is struggling on offense. Tanner Mordecai has not been great. Purdue struggling on offense. It lacks explosive playmakers, but. No, I don't have any real surprises on what I've seen so far. And I don't really have any thoughts about it long term because it's it's just hard to call it an air raid. It is. I get it. You know, you have to call it something, but it's so far from the Mike Leach stuff that I, I don't even, I don't know what you really call it. But next question, people are down on Hudson Card, but of all the quarterbacks in the Big Ten West, how many would you take in front of Hudson Card? Uh, this is a fair question. I, I mean, none. 
the Big Ten West is bizarrely bad this year. And the same listener asked about offensive coordinators in the West with the Graham Harrell conversation. I mean, I would take Longo over Graham Harrell, but, you know, this is kind of the what it comes down to. Offensive play in the Big Ten West is just abysmally bad. You look at whatever's going on at Iowa. Illinois' offense doesn't do much. Minnesota's offense is terrible. Northwestern's a dumpster fire. You know, that program has bigger problems than its offense, but it's not good. Wisconsin, very limited. Am I leaving someone out? Oh, Nebraska, they're not they're not good on offense either. There aren't good great offenses. There aren't good quarterbacks. Look, it's just it is what it is. It's a bad division. You know, we can I think we can say that here. It's it's a bad division. But I think the one thing to note here, Purdue it, when you look at just the hierarchy of the Big Ten West, you know, Purdue falls to Wisconsin, Purdue falls to Iowa. Purdue hasn't beat Wisconsin in forever, but when Purdue's beaten Iowa, it's needed good quarterback play to get there. It's needed its wide receivers to have big games and its quarterbacks to play well. You know, Purdue wins in Iowa City back in 2021. O'Connell hangs 375 yards on him. David Bell looks unreal in 20 and 21. Purdue picks him off both times. You go back, I mean, Anthony Mahungu and Terry Wright had huge days against Iowa. Sindelar and Blau played well in those games. For Purdue to, you know, leapfrog some of these teams that historically are better, it's always taken, you know, really high-level quarterback play. So far, Purdue hasn't had that. Got another one. What improvements have you seen in Purdue's airstrike defense as the season has progressed? A big opportunity this weekend, as I said, is the quarterback contain. If Purdue, if Purdue's dedicated some time to that, it should be better because it's hard to get worse than what it did against Syracuse and Wisconsin. But I think less blown assignments in general. I feel like we're seeing less situations like what we saw in week one when Botros Alessandro got cooked in the northwest corner of the end zone. Uh, or, you know, even in that game when OC Brothers gets lined up on a running back, just a situation you can't be in as a defense. There's nothing OC Brothers can do there. It, it's a losing battle. But I think Purdue is getting more comfortable. I think Purdue's getting more, more, more sound in the scheme. But I think Purdue still has a talent gap that it's got to overcome. Other than number 31, which freshman are you most excited about going into next year? I mean, I think the guys who play are the easiest ones to talk about. You know, Will Helt, Derek Rogers on defense. They've both gotten some playing time this year. They both look the part. Jerron Tibbs was creating some buzz in fall camp, making a bunch of one-handed catches. We're starting to see him get some snaps. Will we start seeing some balls thrown his way more here in the latter part of the season? Maybe. Same deal with George Burhan. If he can get on the field, you know, all all I hear is he's a great athlete. That could be fun to see. Um, you know, Walters brought up the defensive lineman from Nashville, Drake Carlson. Purdue needs help on the interior of the defensive line. That Jamarion Harkless is a huge dude. All these guys, really. You know, I'm interested to see when we start getting those spring camp reports or spring ball reports, what do things look like? How are these guys progressing? 
Who's going to make an impact next year? And then finally, does Purdue need to bring in receivers from the transfer portal? The listener says he feels good about the quarterbacks that Graham Harrell is bringing in, but Purdue needs receivers. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think Purdue absolutely needs receivers. I think Purdue's in a spot right now. I don't know if there's a single position you can say no to in the transfer portal if you can get a guy who can come in and start. If you get a guy who's starter caliber, I think you take him at every single position. I don't think Purdue should be closed off to adding a quarterback. Now, it's not easy to do. Guys don't like to transfer where there's an incumbent starter. But unless you feel unreal about what you have in Bennett Meredith, and I don't know, maybe Purdue does. I'm not behind the scenes at practice every day. I don't know what it, what it really has in Bennett Meredith. The couple series at the end of Ohio State weren't enough to make some big judgment. But, yeah, I mean, everywhere. Everywhere. If you got guys who can make your team better, you take them everywhere. Wanted to transition here into basketball. Um, I know it's funny. You know, I know everyone's ready for basketball. I'm still talking football here. Uh, it's college football season. There will be basketball talk in every episode from here on out probably, but uh, still expect those football previews and recaps coming to you before and after every game. But basketball at Arkansas, it is a 4 o'clock Eastern tip-off. It is on SEC Network Plus. I believe if you have a TV provider login, you should be able to watch this. That's my understanding. So if you have an Xfinity, a DirecTV, a YouTube TV, Hulu Live, if you have any of that stuff and you get SEC Network in your package, I think you can watch this game. I think. So I suspect that many of you will have your attention on this. Uh, I ran a Twitter poll and it was about 55-45. The majority of you said your main attention would be on the basketball game when they overlap. It's an exhibition game, so it doesn't count. It really means very little, but this is a strong opponent for Purdue. Arkansas comes into the season 14th in Ken Palm. It sounds like they either sold this game out or it's really close. It's a charity exhibition. I think it's going to the Maui Relief Fund, so all for a good cause. Uh, but Arkansas's 14th in Ken Palm. I think they're around there in the AP poll. This is a good test for Purdue. Uh, this is a, you know, a very different style than what Purdue sees in the Big Ten. Eric Musselman's kind of a nut, but his teams play a very aggressive, attacking style of basketball. Uh, something very different than what Purdue's used to, and something good for Purdue to see. This is something that Purdue seems to try to schedule in these scrimmages every year. You know, it's played Marquette who did that. It's played West Virginia, who did that under Bob Huggins. Now it plays uh, Now it plays Arkansas. I think it's a style of basketball Matt Painter wants to expose his team to. I would not read too much into the result of this game, and that's win or lose. I would imagine both Purdue and Arkansas want to tinker with different lineups, different matchups, try some different things to see what works and what doesn't as you should. This is, after all, an exhibition game that doesn't count. And 
whether you know whether Purdue wins or loses, the reaction post game will from the fan base will likely feel like it was an NCAA tournament game. It's all over, or you know Purdue's doing great, but all that matters is what happens in the next game. You know, all of that. It, it'll be fun, but I, I think there's a certain degree to these games that coaches would probably rather their team lose. There's the old saying that it's your team learns a lot more after a loss than it does a win. I think that probably applies to charity exhibition games as well. I think that's probably always a good thing. Coaches love nothing more than playing the no one believes in us card. You can do that after a loss. You can't after a win as much. You know, I didn't see the fan day scrimmage last week. There was a lot of talk about that on the internet. If you're over on message boards, out on Twitter, folks are having a field day with the reports that Ethan Morton looked very good. Sounds like he's playing more of a guard guard role than, you know, that wing role that he played last year. As I talked about in the basketball preview episode, that could be very valuable for Purdue. I think that could be a very good thing. Uh, Purdue needs help in the backcourt as much as it can get. Um, a couple things to look at here. Purdue seems very interested in seeing if the Trey Kaufman, Ren, Zach Eady pairing at the four and five can work. I expect to see that a fair amount in this. It's possible it works out really well. It's possible the spacing issues are too, too much to overcome, but you'll get an idea here. And after all, that's what these games are for, right? Uh, that's, that's absolutely what you're here to do. I'm interested to see how Camden Heidi and Miles Colvin look. Early indications are that Colvin still has a ways to go. That is to be expected for a true freshman uh, coming, you know, playing against the best competition he's ever played in his life. That's not a huge surprise. Camden Heidi, early returns are solid. How ready is he to push for big minutes this year? Uh, and, you know, in these guys' first game against a real opponent, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, there's not, you know, it's not like there's, there's a ton to break down here. I can't claim that I'm super familiar with Arkansas's personnel. I can't claim to have done a deep dive here. Um, it's an exhibition game. So take it for what it's worth. Um, I'll talk about it with some of my thoughts on the Sunday show. I, again, take it for what it's worth, please. Um, I know, I'll say that, doesn't matter. It's going to be either the season's over, this is why Purdue can never win in the NCAA tournament, or it's going to be, hey, Purdue looked good, now let's see it in the NCAA tournament. So uh, that's just going to be part of it this season, I guess. So uh, that's all I've got for today, though. Thank you for spending your time with me. I will be back here on Sunday. We'll break down Purdue-Nebraska, talk about some takeaways from Purdue basketball against Arkansas, Uh, In the meantime, follow on Twitter at Boilers Beyond and send me over any questions, guys. Uh, Anything you want to hear me talk about on the show, send it in the DMs, uh, tweet it to me, or you can email it to me, boilersandbeyondpod at gmail.com. And be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss that Sunday show and so much more. We got a lot coming to you here. It's an exciting time of year. I look forward to talking to you again on Sunday. But until then... Get those two TVs out and enjoy your busy afternoon at 3.30 on Saturday. Take care.